0: This podcast contains bad words and spoilers. Please listen responsibly or you will get force-choked until you call me daddy. it's time for Beer Me A Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is the show where me and Brian go back and forth, week after week, surprising each other. What We're going to watch next week, all while we score and drink. Yeah, scoring and drinking. That's what we do. It's the most fun part of it. That's why we watch movies at this point in our lives. We're not changing the world or anything. We're buds hanging out who want to talk about movies, damn it. Yeah,
1: it's we're,
0: the only way I can watch a movie now is if I get to judge it and drink about it. There are so many movies that I watch that I don't tell anyone about, and it's, like, rewarding almost. And that's the way, like, normal people watch movies. Yeah, I get that. I get to watch this one for me. For me, and no one knows that I've watched it, and I love it. (laughs) It makes me feel like I'm doing something a little naughty, not telling
1: my friends about it. Yeah. Like, I'm so tempted right now to tell you about a movie I watched on my
0: own uh, Saturday night, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to tell you what I watched. So this is what we're going to do right now. You're going to tell me the movie that you watched and we're not going to discuss at all. And okay. I'm going to tell you a movie that I watched and we're not going to discuss at all.
1: I love it. Let's do it.
0: Go. Megan. I want to lightly discuss that. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mine was a Preston Sturgis movie called The Miracle of Morgan Creek. I have no desire
1: to discuss that.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> uh, thumbs up, thumbs down for Megan?
1: Uh, I, I would go like like thumbs at a 45 degree angle up.
0: Brian, that was a test, and you failed. Oh, I'm talking about the movie. <laughs> Complete failure. Drink. Wow. Well, now, now I'm doing both of the things about the movie. They go hand in hand, bud. Ah, all right. And also, I lied to everybody up front when I said this is the show where me and Brian go back and forth surprise each other, because this week is an audience pick, because it's the end of the month. And you're the listeners, mostly Mike Lanham, chose No Country for Old Men from 2007, directed by Joel and Ethan. Fucking Cohen!
1: Them Cohen boys. That's right.
0: You never saw this thing before.
1: No, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie, and who, boy.
0: Quick thoughts, go! Uh, wow? Wow. No, 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 no. I said quick. You had your, your wow. Oh, my bad. Wow. I expounded too much. Wow. Oh, wow. Different movie. Wow. Is it a different movie? Were you- With Owen Wilson? Oh, that would be very different if he were in this movie. I wouldn't know what to do with it. If you could replace one character in this movie with Owen
1: Wilson, who would it be? Carla? That is the correct
0: answer. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) You want to get in this thing? I have only seen it once before this in theaters in 2007, and I had forgotten most of it. I could see how that could
1: happen, because there's not a lot (laughs) of stuff in there to grasp onto memorably like you know, dialogue or music or things like that. It's like a lot of things happen. It's true. But not a lot of said. That's right. So we're gonna get into our scoring system here that we still have
0: not named. Um, at this point, I don't know if we ever will. We could just like call it the untitled scoring system because that's what some like shitty ass producer would do. I kind of like can't that. <laughs> figure out a name.
1: Our untitled scoring system. Ten categories, ten points each. But the story and motivation is the first category, and we pull it directly from the Wikipedia plot synopsis. And this one has its own little, like, intro, and I kind of like that. The film is set in Texas in 1980 and follows three interweaving storylines regarding hitman Anton Shigur, played by Javier fucking Bardem, Sheriff Ed Tom Bell, played by Thomas fucking Leeson fucking Joneson.
0: <laughs> That's a throwback joke.
1: <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, with all of the fucking... With, you know, within.
0: Where they belong. Yes.
1: And Hunter Llewellyn Moss, played by Josh fucking Thanos Brolin. I
0: feel like these Cohen boys love the name Llewellyn. There's something about the name Llewellyn. Like the double L up front. Like it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Right. Right. Like llama. Exactly. Llamas are fun. Sure. But
1: <laughs> if he were Spanish, it would be Uellin. Because the double U-L-n. L. Uellin. Uellin. Like Uellin. That's different. <laughs> that doesn't sound nearly as tough as Llewellyn Moss. And that's why the name isn't that. <laughs> right. Because that's different.
0: <laughs> is
1: Llewellyn a hard
0: name? I don't think it is. I, I don't know. When Josh Brolin throws it on and takes it for a walk it sounds around the block, like a, it's a hard like a name.
1: Female country music singer.
0: A little bit. Yeah. That's fair.
1: Hi, y'all. I'm Llewellyn Harris, and I'm going to sing you this song real quick. Oh,
0: God. That's exactly what it is. I mean, at that point, you might as well be like, Josh Brolin, who are you playing in this movie? Playing Fairy Princess Moss. <laughs> the name's Emmy Lou. Emmy Lou
1: Moss. <laughs>
0: Emmy Lou Moss.
1: <laughs> but Josh Brolin is hard in this movie. He
0: sure is. He is Texas. Like, if <laughs> Texas can walk and talk. If
1: Texas was a man and slightly smaller, it would be Josh Brolin <laughs> with a mustache.
0: I lived in Texas for two years. They love them some Texas, like Nobody
1: loves Texas like Texas loves Texas. It's
0: unbelievable how much they love Texas. They have to say like two separate Pledge of Allegiances, and I don't know why people don't get pissed off at that. Oh, that's hypocrisy. That's what it is. Oh, do they have a separate like Pledge of Allegiance to Texas? They sure do. I did not know about this. Yeah, I can't remember if they say it first or second. But then also at the same time, as a gag one time when I was stuck there on like Christmas Eve working. I printed out a bunch of maps of the United States because they were saying that their education system was better than mine that I had growing up. Yeah. And I said, fill out this. And they got fucked very quickly. Fill out Texas right away <laughs> first. That one's And then Texas. they had issues everywhere.
1: <laughs> That's embarrassing for Texas.
0: Also, the Alamo its basically just like a gun museum now. It's not even so much like, remember the Alamo? Did they win it? No, they got their dicks kicked in, no. like bad. <laughs> like their dicks literally went all the way inside. It was like a turtle, like a turtle head, when the Mexicans came and kicked their dicks right in.
1: <laughs> I love that. Our rallying calls about that time we lost. Remember that? <laughs>
0: you gotta have balls to do that. Don't
1: forget it. <laughs> also, I think your bike's in the basement.
0: There is no basement at the Alamo. <laughs>
1: So the movie opens with a soliloquy by Bell, bemoaning the changing times and how things have become more violent than in his father's day.
0: Old man yells at clouds.
1: Yep, but it's an old man that's a Tommy Lee Jones. And that's right. You know what? Tommy Lee Jones yells at cloud. much better headline.
0: Old man soliloquies at clouds. I like it. Makes it sound a little more artistic. The
1: scene transitions
0: to... Hold Chigur- on. Who the fuck wrote this Wikipedia article? Like, they're... Going through it in so much detail already, and it could just be because on our Patreon episode for Master of Disguise, there was literally no detail at You're all. Up it was two hundred words, <laughs> <I'm> the <just> shortest <laughs> plots synopsis of small time. The scene transitions to Sugar, who has been recently arrested in a small town. Sugar? That would have been a good name for him. Even though that's what they think his name is sometimes, because I don't uh, care about other people's cultures and ethnicities. I guess.
1: While in custody, he strangles a deputy sheriff and uses a penetrating air-powered captive bolt pistol to kill a stranger
0: on the highway and escape in his car. You see the entire strangulation happening.
1: Yeah, you do. Like and, all of um, it. I'm still not sure if he actually got strangled or if he bled out because of the, the chains of the handcuffs going into his arteries. It's
0: all semantics, really, at the end. Like, dead is dead.
1: Dead is dead. There's a lot of blood for strangulation, though. That's all I'm saying. That's
0: true. Maybe it'll confuse the detective or whatever.
1: (laughs) Not sure how he died. (laughs) He spares the life of a gas station owner who correctly guesses the result of of Sugar's coin toss.
0: This scene is so tense. So insanely tense. I love it so much because he's having a conversation with this gas station attendant. And the gas station attendant's like, I'm going to close now. It's time. What time do you close? Sundown. Well, that doesn't seem like it's coming up for anytime soon. Sun's pretty up, bud. <laughs> like, if there were a Hulk around right now, he's still staying Hulk. Yeah, yeah. The sun's not getting very low, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge. What time do you go to bed? That's a very personal question that he had That's no problem super answering. Super personal question. He was Well, I wouldn't say he had no problem. <laughs> he pushed back the littlest bit. Uh, he's like very the tiniest idiot. He's a very intimidating man. Doesn't mean you have to
1: answer all of his questions. And poor Gene Jones here, the gas station proprietor. Gene Jones is named the actor by the way, not the character. This character has no name other than gas station proprietor. He he's not. He's not in any kind of physical condition to be fighting off a Javier, you know?
0: No, no he's not, but I also love how Anton Garcia flips the coin has it underneath his hand the entire time. Call it Telling him to call it. I love it so much it's because so the pushback that he gets is like, I'm not going to call that. I don't know what's at stake. You're not telling me. It's like, everything's at stake.
1: Oh, I love that. It, what's the most you've ever lost in toin uh, toss? There it is.
0: Wow. <laughs> if I didn't know any better, I'd think you were listexic. A little bit listexic, yeah. But I find it amazing that he wins the coin toss. Shakir gives him the coin and he says, don't put that in your pocket. That's your lucky coin. Right. It's just going to get mixed up with all the other coins, which doesn't matter because it is, after all, just a coin.
1: But it's not just a coin.
0: But it's not.
1: It's the coin that saved his life.
0: I love Anton Chiguerre so much.
1: He might be the most likable, terrible villain ever. You know where he
0: stands. That's if he, true. you see him, there's a really good chance you're going to end up Dedikins. Like super yeah. Dedicans. Yeah, like the most Dedikins. And he'll tell you that, which is the best part about it, if he says anything to you at all. Are you going to kill me? Did you see me? What a line.
1: Ah, so good.
0: Hunting pronghorns in the desert,
1: Llewellyn Moss comes across the aftermath of a drug deal gone bad. He finds several dead men and dogs, a wounded Mexican man begging for water, drugs in the vehicle, and $2 million in a briefcase. Naturally, he takes the money and goes home.
0: I like when this Mexican man's, like, saying, agua, agua, as he's holding this bullet wound on his belly, and Luella just goes, no, also, I'm going to take your Uzi. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's the the rational way to go about this. (laughs) I
1: don't have any water, bud. But
0: I also don't have an Uzi. One of us is going to get something we need.
1: Later on, he feels guilty, and he goes back with water, but he finds the man dead.
0: What was he expecting? He's got a giant open wound in his chest. <laughs> well, the thing is, the wound isn't what killed him. He done got shot. Are you King Konging this argument in a way? Where it wasn't the airplanes, it was Beauty killed the Beast? Oh, I mean, he got shot again. That's fair. <laughs> it was the
1: second bullet to the head that actually killed
0: him. <laughs> it wasn't the first one that very much would have killed him eventually. It was the, the second one that was right. more well-placed That turned out his light's a whole lot faster. That
1: happened after Llewellyn left the scene.
0: Fair. Okay. Before he returned. (laughs) All right. It's kind of like Butch Cass Sundance Kid. I can't swim. Swim? It's the fall that'll kill (laughs) you. Stay tuned for that one one day. Two men in a truck
1: pursue Moss, but he escapes into a river. And that feels like such an abbreviation of that entire scene. Right. No respect for the dog. Right?
0: This movie kills so many
1: dogs so early on.
0: You do not want to be a dog in this movie. There's no, no. guarantees you're going to go to heaven. I don't None. think there's... Uh, do any dogs make it out of this movie? I don't think so. I'm I'm pretty sure there's, that. there's definitely two dead dogs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this was a living dog that was chasing Llewellyn downstream, and then Llewellyn blasts this thing <laughs> once it gets out of the water. The last second. Man. Tough being a dog. I and a, guess and a, so.
1: No country for old men. Why don't
0: they call no country for dogs, just in general? Like,
1: clearly, you can't be an old man or a dog. Back at home, Moss sends his wife, Carla Jean, played by Kelly McDonald, to stay with her mother, played by Beth fucking Grant. Then he takes a taxi to a motel in Del Rio, where he hides the briefcase in his room's air duct.
0: It's pretty neat how he hides it up there, because he ties a string to it, he pushes all the way back in the air duct, and he tucks it around the corner, Just enough that you can clearly still see it. (laughs) It's hidden. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) It's kind of like whatever you're playing, hide and go seek with like your kid or something. And they hide like in the curtains. But, you know, their feet are still very much sticking out. Right. And you have to like pretend like, where'd they go? Two million dollars right there. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I wonder if it's in the air vent. Nope. Not in here. Not in here. Meanwhile, Bell and his deputy Wendell, played by Garrett Dillahunt, are investigating the death of the deputy that that Shigur strangled, and the motorist that he killed. They're just looking into all the murders. There's a lot. This is no country for anyone. It seems like. Nope, no country allowed. Nobody gets any. None. <laughs> Bell and Wendell arrive at the site of the drug deal from which Moss took the money, finding the burnt out car of the motorist that you know Shigur had killed and. Also, Moss's truck is still there because the guy's chased him down the river and slashed
0: his tires. I like how this turns into a bit of a cat and mouse, but the mouse is also a cat chasing another mouse. There's, But so then the mice. other mouse is also chasing the other cat mouse. It's Chase Triangle. Well, no one's chasing the cop. That's true. So the cop's running like a weird gotta chase them all Ponzi scheme type like oh, pyramid thing, I think. Gotta chase them all. Dude, my kids are watching so much Pokemon lately. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like it's absurd. They got through the the original series with like the first one fifty, and they're like, yeah, "We're yeah. gonna go to the Johan." I uh, is that a place? Don't correct me. I don't give a I fuck. Have everyone, no idea. Whatever. But then makes they start bringing up is. like other different Pokemon that never existed when I was a kid, and my kids like asking me all this shit. Like, what's this one evolve into? I was like, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of it. Is it, is its number over 151? I don't know it. I don't know, nor do I care. I care a little bit because new Pokemon games do fuck pretty hard. But Do they? Uh, they do. But I, I don't know anymore. And then she's like, how many Pokemon are there now? And I was like, I don't know. It's probably like 300. I Googled it, and there's like 1,036 or something like that.
1: Yeah, 300 I feel like would have been real quick if the first game had 150.
0: Also, what do you have to do to get paid to name Pokemon? Because that sounds fun as shit. That would probably be a great job. Just sitting around in your little Japanese office, presumably, and you look at a picture of something with like a a big nose and you go, it's a a snob nose. (laughs) Got it. Nailed it. Snob nose. What are its powers? Oh nose slap.
1: (laughs) And when it evolves, it gets a nose ring. That's right. What does it become then? Rocksteady. Duh. <laughs> and then the final one has a little bit of a boogie hanging out <laughs> That's it. nailed it next Pokemon <laughs> what's his attack he gives you a cold it's pretty bad uh, his special is a snot rocket
0: Charmander use emergency
1: <laughs> oh yeah I this is gonna seem like a silly question because the answer is probably definitely yes at this point because there's so many
0: is there a citrus based <laughs> Pokemon I have to imagine it's called, like, Orangey or something like that. Yep.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: And it, like, opens itself up into, like, little slices, and it makes kids feel like halftime at soccer is fun. I don't know. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. (laughs) It's just like an
1: orange Voltorb that can uh, segment itself. That's it. That's literally all it does. And uh, it has a cute little green leaf at the top. (laughs) It has to
0: have a cute little green
1: leaf. If that doesn't exist copyright trademark. The TM, that TM, TM,
0: TM, TM. The TM. official Beer Me a Movie Pokemon. Yep. And what it does is when it attacks you, it firstly gives you scurvy. Secondly, cures it. <laughs> cures it. Amazing. What was the name again? I forgot
1: already. At this nah. point, it's Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Rocksteady, <laughs> the orange Pokemon. It Maybe this one's into a grapefruit, but it's called Grapefruit. Grapefruit. <laughs> How did we get here? I
0: don't know. Uh, off the rails. All right, where were we? Because uh, oh, Tommy dogs, Lee Jones has dog. to catch them all. That's right. I feel like I keep
1: saying uh, Shigar wrong. Sh- sh- oh, it's
0: mostly sh- because you do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shigur? Shigur. Shigar.
0: Yeah, because it's not, yeah, not Tupac-based. <laughs> Even though I would love to see him in some sort of East-West rap battle duel.
1: <laughs> some sort of... Genre agnostic.
0: (laughs) Western film noir thriller. He just like looks north and he goes, Eminem, I'm coming for you. We don't have a north for south. It's time we do this shit. (sighs) Detroit's going down tonight. Eight mile? It's more like six feet under mile. I don't understand
1: that measurement. Dead. Ah, yeah, yeah, Six feet under mile. That's that's what they say.
0: You call that a, a sick beat, yo? That's not a sick beat. This is a sick beat. <laughs> I almost watched that the other night because I literally can't remember a single thing about that movie.
1: Aussie rappers rise up.
0: Are there Aussie rappers? There must be. That's a there stupid topic, but
1: there absolutely has to be. I
0: need that. I need that. I need to hear that because I guarantee they sing about real things that'll kill you and not just each other. <laughs> like that's the East West beef. Is like I'll put a bullet in you or whatever. Whereas like the Aussie rappers, I feel like, are just like, a black mamba, when it bites you, you got to suck on it to get the venom out, or else you're going to die here in the outback. <laughs> I like that. Australians
1: just deliver facts about animals. That's they have how they to. Do. There's so
0: many things that'll kill you. They don't even worry about people. That's why their murder rate's so low. It's because they're all working together against the animals that are going to kill them.
1: Honestly, Steve Irwin was not even like an animal rights... Or an animal activist person he, or anything like that. He's just a regular Australian. He <laughs> <It> came over <laughs> here and was like, Australian. You guys don't
0: know about animals? <laughs> Crikey! What's that fence you put around that reptile? Oh, it's to keep everyone safe? <laughs> no, nah, nah. I'm gonna crawl in that thing's fucking mouth. Hey, Bundy! Come watch me get this tattoo with this stingray barb! On oh, no. my chest! I'm alright, Bindy! I love you forever, Bindy! <laughs> I can't believe I named my child Bindy. It is a name, isn't it? Now, yeah, sure is now. It is now. <laughs> cigar. <laughs> it's
1: like um, it's like Mike Tyson saying cigar. It's not. Cigar. Cigar?
0: cigar. Cigar. What if Mike Tyson and Bobby Flay did a rap battle? Oh no! Just I don't want to even elaborate on that. I want everyone to chew on that. This is like your moment of zen.
1: Chew on it like something with 47 different ingredients or like
0: somebody else's <laughs> ear? Doesn't matter. Just chew At on it. At that point. A Quick question for you, Bobby. If I were going to eat somebody's ear, what
1: kind of different ingredients and sauces would I put on that? Well, you got to put 47 different ingredients
0: on it. 47 on that little bit of ear. I'm going to have to take a bigger chunk out of that if you end the Holyfield next time. Oh, God. I'm so off the rails. Yeah. It's a good movie. This is a good movie. It like, is. Really <laughs> it really good
1: movie. is. Chigar, hired to recover nope. the money. <laughs> Sugar, reco- He's hired to recover the money. He arrives to search Moss's home where he uses his bolt pistol to blow the lock out of the door. Bell and Wendell arrive at Moss's home shortly after Chigaraga has left, noticing <laughs> the blown out lock. Yeah.
0: Not um, trying the- was the way to do it. Good for you.
1: (laughs) Following a tracking device in the money, Chigar goes to Moss's motel room and kills a group of Mexicans waiting to ambush
0: Moss. I like how he's just driving around in a truck until his little device beeps. And then just knocking down doors and killing people. Like, Texas is a really big place.
1: (laughs) Also, there was no signal whatsoever when he actually picked up the tracker. How did he know which way to go? It was movie magic. I mean, he had 360 degrees of options, and he just went in the right one.
0: Hey, you think he'd be in a funny guy putting plot holes in this thing?
1: No, I don't think so. You think he'd be a funny guy? Because he'd already been house. Give me, give me that three D,
0: Brian. Give me that three D if you're going to be he a funny guy. In the direction
1: guy. he'd be headed in, and he just
0: start checking motels, I imagine. I don't know. No one leaves. You realize that? Like, in this movie, everyone has the chance to just fuck off it's like and never could, be found again. You could just go. And no one's choosing to do that. Well, I think Moss has a good reason for
1: not doing that cuz you know he's eventually got to meet back up with his wife.
0: Who he sent to a ho- another hotel in Texas. Oh,
1: he hasn't yet, but he will. He will. Fine. Moss has rented a second room adjacent to the Mexican's room with access to the duct where the money is hidden. He gets a map from the lady, the nice lady at the front
0: desk, who just happens to have hotel maps. What's up with that? I got a
1: map of the motel right here so you can choose your room. I'll show it to the next guy, too, so he can choose his room.
0: We're all choosing rooms. Just give me the one without the fucking beg bugs, lady. That's all I want. I don't need to go around picking my lucky number for a room here.
1: But Moss does, because he needs access to that duct where the sure money does. is
0: quote-unquote
1: hidden. <laughs> right. He retrieves the briefcase before Shigar opens
0: the duct. Can you say it again? How's it, how's it pronounced? Let me ask you a quick question. Uh, yeah. Did you watch the Oscars? I did not. Uh, either way, the best animated movie was a movie called Pinocchio. Do you remember yeah. who directed that? Guillermo del Toro. How are you able to say that name now, but First you can't try. say Chiguerre?
1: Chiguerre. Chiguerre. It's like a French person talking about the main ingredient in Coca-Cola.
0: That's right. You hear that, Bobby? Chiguerre.
1: It's another ingredient that exists. Moving to a hotel in the border town of Eagle Pass, Moss discovers the tracking
0: device. But Chagare... Has already found him. I like how after Shagir finds him, this whole firefight's just going to spill out onto the streets. The streets are completely empty. No one is bothering to go outside. So like, ah, oh, gunshots just... Gunshots. didn't take house.
1: Day inside.
0: West Texas. If you don't hear the coyotes, you hear the gunshots. Someone trying to settle the score. Having their own brand of justice.
1: Is that from something?
0: Nope.
1: Just Texas. Okay. <laughs>
0: that
1: was good. That's all.
0: Felt like texas gunfire
1: australian for texas
0: Ah <laughs> oh, man texas is a funny place <laughs> sure <is>. hi texans <laughs> welcome i'm sure there's a few of you here why not you know my favorite part about texas please tell me it's not philadelphia that's fair. Hello again, Philly listeners. Hello again, Philly. I saw Shazam 2 and I loved it. Fuck everybody who who is just being mean for no. I reason still have for that not movie. seen it, but I intend to. Uh worst part about it is the city of Philadelphia, once again, not destroyed. Uh, it's starting to get a little annoying. They keep teasing me. They keep teasing me. (laughs) Ah, they destroyed the city again,
1: but it's probably just gonna get rebuilt back.
0: God damn, someone have the balls in a movie to destroy Philadelphia. Get it out of here, but don't because, unlike Dave, I like Philly. I also love how after this, like, they start fighting on the streets and nobody cares. Like the one person out there, they do kill. Yeah, this guy just drives up and and
1: Moss is like, "Let me get in your truck. Nothing's gonna happen. We just got to get out of here." And then, bam, gets lit up. Immediately, guy driving the truck, dead. But both Moss and Chigar are wounded. Moss flees across to Mexico, stashing the case of money along the Rio Grande. Stashing is a funny word for throwing over a fence. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Finding Moss severely injured, a passing Norteño band takes him to a hospital. That's nice of them, though. That is very nice. First, they serenaded him to being awake. Then they brought him to a hospital after he gave them the money. Was it necessary to wake him up? Like, are they making sure
0: it was, like, worth their time? I
1: don't know. I feel like they just wanted an audience at that point.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know what a Nortenio band is.
1: They practiced their music and they wanted to perform, damn it. And this guy was here. Whether or not he was conscious didn't matter. Fair enough. Carson Wells, a new character. That's right.
0: Played by Woody fucking Harrelson. He's back. I couldn't believe it. And I've seen this and I forgot he was in this movie.
1: I had not seen it. I did not know he was in this movie. So when he popped up, I was like, Ed! But not Ed. Ed's brother. It's
0: Ray. Yes. Ray. I remembered something from a past movie. (laughs) I did it.
1: Uh, He is another hired operative.
0: He's a bounty hunter. Call it what it is.
1: Yeah. He fails to persuade Moss to accept protection in return for the money. Because he finds Moss, he's like, I know you've got the money, you know where it is, but like, you know, just give it back to me and nobody has any problem with you anymore. I don't think that's true. I don't think so either, because this Shagare guy. He's coming,
0: and he's coming hard, still.
1: Yeah, he cleans and stitches his own wounds, Shiger that is, with stolen supplies, because he blows up a car outside of a pharmacy, which is amazing. Yeah, it is, great shot and then he sneaks up on Wells at his hotel. So Woody Harrelson's in the movie and then all of a sudden Woody Harrelson's in trouble.
0: He pretty much goes Woody Harrelson from like enter stage left, just casually walks across, exit stage right. It's like like that's right, how I'm, long he's in this movie.
1: I'm here in this movie, y'all. And then uh, he unsuccessfully barters for his life and is murdered by Shigar.
0: Also what you shouldn't do is what Shigar did. When you have a giant open wound in your leg, maybe don't go and sit in a motel bathtub. That feels like a bad move. Because obviously all your insides are going to leak to your outsides, and you're somehow going to get chlamydia.
1: (laughs) Motel bathtubs famous for harboring chlamydia.
0: That's where they go. It's like a petri dish for chlamydia. Exactly. There was never chlamydia in the world until motels became a thing.
1: Well, let me tell you about drop baths. (laughs) Yeah, you think koalas are cute, but most of them have chlamydia.
0: Now, to, for a koala to give you chlamydia, does a koala gotta fuck you? I don't, or I something don't like know. just rub its genitals on your your face or something. Like <laughs> I, I don't want a koala to Which rub its you junk. Which do you prefer? Well, honestly, probably the junk <laughs> to the face. <laughs> you think so, huh? Well, I don't want a koala fucking me. But if, I mean, is there a difference between face chlamydia and butt chlamydia? Oh, when you put it that way. Because, I mean, I can hide butt chlamydia. <laughs> I can't hide face chlamydia. It's much harder to do. It's true. If anyone here listening has chlamydia, write in and let us know how this all works. Simple enough. All I know is you either get it from a koala or a motel bathtub. That's right. And if you ever see a koala in a motel bathtub, you need oh, to call the police on the spot. 100% chance that you already have chlamydia. <laughs> it's by being. Within a mile of it, realistically. On
1: sight. (laughs) Moss telephones the room, intending to bargain with Wells. But Shiger answers the call instead and vows to kill Carla Jean unless Moss gives
0: up the money. Just give up the money, dude? Right. He knows where your wife is. The man is hunting you. He will not stop hunting you. He has left a, a trail of dead bodies along the way to get to you there's a really good chance you're going to be a dead soon. Moss retrieves the case from the Rio Grande
1: and arranges to meet Carla Gina at a motel in El Paso, where he plans to give her the money and
0: hide her from danger. Why starting now? All of a sudden, he's going to hide her from danger now. Leave fucking Texas! For fuck's sake, <laughs> Well, that's the plan. He originally
1: was like, go stay at your mom's for a while. Then once he gets the money to her, he's going to be like, you now get out of the state. Gotta get you to the airport and get the fuck out of here, but...
0: But because it's Texas and there's three airports, it's not hard to track these people.
1: That's right. Unless he had used an airfield, he'd have a better chance, but he had to go to an airport.
0: Oh, man. I need that minute of my life back where they're explaining the difference between (laughs) airfields and airports.
1: For the amount of dialogue in this movie, that was definitely the most unnecessary bit of it. Sure was! Carla Jean is approached by Sheriff Bell, who promises to protect Moss. Carla Jean's mother unknowingly reveals Moss's location to a group of Mexicans tailing them. Dude, this mom sucks. She's uh, equal parts incredible and the worst. Yep.
0: Because <laughs> she's just some random guy comes up. she's so like, hey, what are your plans? Where are you going? When She's just answering all the questions. <laughs> well, her issue is that she's from Texas. And uh, her first thing she says as this Mexican man comes up to help her with luggage is, Oh, I ain't never seen a Mexican wearing a suit before. (laughs) And right there, I'm pretty sure the music man to say, we got trouble. Yep. Bell reaches the motel rendezvous
1: at El Paso, only to hear gunshots and spot a pickup truck speeding from the motel. Bell finds Moss dead in his motel room and shares the news with a devastated Carla Jean.
0: This is a crazy directing choice here, because you have Timely Jones walk out to Carla Jean, takes off his hat, and that's really the only thing we get. Like. Did we see Moss dead? I know we, we, we kind of see him in the morgue, barely. But um, We see his body
1: right before they go to the morgue. Is it before the morgue? Yeah. It have something to, like that. Before the
0: morgue, it'd be weird to look at a different it, dead body. Be, we, it's like we brought the body <laughs> back to the hotel after we left the morgue so we could get this shot. Oh, is that another dead body? We're packing these fridges tonight,
1: huh? This is probably the only part of the movie that like disappointed me. It's like, you're going to kill the guy we've been following this whole movie off screen? Yeah. Without even a fight. But it showed how easily Shigar could get to him. But it wasn't even Shigar that got him. It was the Mexicans. Right! So, like, thanks, Carla Jean's mom. Yeah, dude, she sucks so hard. That night, Bell returns to the crime scene and observes the lock blown out. He's got a raging clue. Shigar appears to be hiding behind the door of the room. But when Bell hesitantly enters, he finds the room empty and the vent cover removed. And it turns out this guy's in a different hotel room. What's he doing? I don't know. He likes to go back to the scene of the crime. No, I'm saying, what's Shagair doing? He's just lurking in a different room in the corner? Oh, yeah. Well, he's looking for the money. Okay. Everybody's looking for the money.
0: It's true. Even Bell, I think, at this point, is kind of looking for the money. But that's not fair. And I this always bothers me whenever a movie does something like this, because the scene starts off with Bell entering the hotel room. We see Shagair holding his shotgun bolt thing behind yeah. a door with, like, in a shadow. Yeah. And then Bell goes through the entire room and Chagare's not there. That's manipulation. Oh, big time. And I, I don't care for that, usually.
1: But there's already kind of a precedent set of, you know, multiple hotel motel rooms being acquired wherever they go. So, I don't know.
0: That's true, because I think one of the most effective things that's done in this movie is whenever someone opens a door and Chagare is there already, out yeah. in the open. He doesn't hide. Right. So I found this shot and this whole scene to be very manipulative. Yeah. And I don't usually care for that. I didn't mind it here, though. Well, it's because Anton Shagar is one of the all time great movie villains. <laughs> we'll get there.
1: Later, Bell visits his uncle Ellis, played by Barry fucking Corbin, an ex law man, and tells him he plans to retire because he feels overmatched by the recent violence.
0: Yep. Quitter.
1: Yeah, sure. I Alice get he's tells- old
0: and this is no country for. You know, for for him, no country but, for Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you feel overmatched. It doesn't mean just walk away.
1: Kids these days are so good at killing that I can't keep up with them. These young whippersnappers, they'll just murder no matter what. What happened to the good
0: old days with Bonnie and Clyde? Man, people killing for good reasons back in my day. Now no one goes into a bank and has the courtesy to say this is a stick-up. <laughs> they just go in and they start
1: blasting. Guns a blazing. Ellis tells Bell the story of a lawman who was killed on his own porch and says that the region has always been violent. So it's
0: never been a country for old men. It's or country. no country for lawmen? I don't know. It might
1: actually be lawmen that be that be having no country. <laughs> that was a sentence that started one way and ended a different one.
0: Sure, it was a swerve <laughs> somehow. I don't know how you did that.
1: Weeks later, Carla Jean returns from her mother's funeral to find Chigar waiting in her bedroom. Shiger, keep
0: doing that. Don't worry, we're almost done. You don't even to worry about it anymore.
1: Shiger is just sitting in the bedroom. She refuses his offer of a coin toss for her life, stating that he cannot pass blame to luck. This choice is his.
0: That's an amazing scene, too. It's I so like good. I like her just refusal, flat out refusal. Yeah. She's
1: like, I'm not, I'm not calling it. I will not call it. If you're going to do what you're going to do, you're going to do it.
0: And then Shiger, we just see him leaving the house and he checks his boots he on the checks way out. His boots like and you know it's exactly so what just good. happened. So that good. is beautifully done.
1: Because there's a previously set up when after he kills Woody Harrelson, he's on the phone with Moss, and as Woody Harrelson's blood is pooling, he picks his feet up to not get his, his boots dirty. I love it. I love it so much. So that is such a smart choice. As he drives through the neighborhood, Shiger is
0: injured in a car accident at an intersection. Uh, out of nowhere it is out of nowhere and i like how he crawls out of this car he goes and sits on the curb and these two young kids just on bikes come up to him and they're like you okay <laughs> because texas does not have a good education system I, they I couldn't pick up the your back bone this mister man has a bone sticking out of his arm <laughs> he just got out of a car accident and he looks like shit yeah yeah uh hey mister are you all right <laughs> Maybe instead of teaching about your Alamo and remembering it, even though you lost, you should teach about social (laughs) cues and how to read them. Or, you know,
1: general health practices. If the bone is sticking out, this man needs medical attention.
0: (laughs) Yes. But I like how he says, like, how much you want for that shirt? The kid's like, I'll just give you my shirt like you're injured. Yeah, that's fine. And the kid just takes his shirt off and he... Like, puts it into a sling, and still Shiger pays him for it, and he says, you never saw me. And then he leaves. I love that. It's so good.
1: He hobbles away. I love the way this mirrors the scene earlier when Moss buys a shirt off a guy in Mexico.
0: It's very, very good. But Shiger does have a small moral compass, despite everything we just saw.
1: Yeah. And he's not
0: invincible. No, he very much is not. That bone is... It is prevalent out of his arm.
1: Yeah, he's just at the whim of fate as anybody else in this movie. And chance. And random happenstance.
0: Absolutely brilliant.
1: Now retired, Bell shares two dreams with his wife, who's played by Tess Harper. In the first, he lost some money his father had given him. In the other, he and his father were riding through a snowy mountain pass. Horseback? It was on horseback, right? I think so. His father had gone ahead to make a fire in the darkness and wait for Bell. And then
0: it just cuts to black. That's it. That's all she wrote. And that is No Country for Old Men from 2007, directed by the Coen brothers. This movie fucks. This movie fucks. Ridiculously hard.
1: When I looked at the runtime and saw it was 122 minutes, I thought, how? Because it feels so
0: much longer than that in the best way. It does feel so much longer than that because I kind of want to save when we talk about director. Okay. Yeah. But this movie does a small magic trick that just blows me away. Now the two times I've seen this movie, completely blown away. Yeah. Story and motivation, it is an easy, easy, easy 10. And it's mostly because the story is the motivation. Like, it's it couldn't be right. any simpler. Right. It's uh, As much everybody- as it happened in the plot, it is so straightforward. Man finds money. Man tries to get money back. Man tries to catch bad guys with said money. Yeah, everybody
1: Everybody is very laid out. And,
0: and shenanigans ensue.
1: Shenanigans ensue.
0: You know, these Cohen brothers and their bags of money. I love bags of money. They love bags of money. The only thing missing in this one would be Josh Brolin going, I'm a dopper Dan man. <laughs>
1: That's a 10 for story motivation. Let's talk about casting. It's phenomenal. It's so good. It's so good. And they wanted Heath Ledger for Llewellyn Moss.
0: I feel like that wouldn't work, and I feel like it's no fault of his own, but this isn't too far off the heels of Brokeback Mountain, where he did the little right. cowboy thing also. Exactly. It'd be like a weird typecasting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if he would have gotten Joker after that.
0: Oh, who knows? But I, I think that Josh Brolin was nearly a perfect choice.
1: Yeah, yeah. Josh Brolin's excellent. And then uh, for Anton Shiger, Chigar- Mark Strong was their, their second pick for that.
0: I'm very happy they didn't do that. It would have been so different. I think the only weak point in the casting is Kelly MacDonald, and it's no fault of her own. Right. This is pre-Boardwalk. This is pre-Brave. But, I mean, she's Scottish and not Texan, famously. Right, right. And
1: uh, I, it doesn't seem like she had a big part in the book either. Oh, by the way, this is based on a book by Cormac McCarthy, and they adapted it almost exactly.
0: It's awfully darn close. It got to the point that even Roger Ebert, who gave this thing four stars out of four, nice. he was completely blown away by it because he said it is so damn close to the book. But he goes even farther and says many of the scenes in No Country for Old Men are so flawlessly constructed that you want them to simply continue. And yet they create an emotional suction drawing you to the next scene. Another movie that made me feel that way was Fargo. To make one such film as a miracle, here's another. Wow. I think the casting's great. I'm going to go with a nine. Nine. Protagonist. I don't even know at this point. I have no idea. Because it's a movie with three protagonists, sort of. Sort of. But only two antagonists. Yeah.
1: It's a really weird situation there.
0: So if you look at the three leads of Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, and Josh Brolin as the protagonists, they're all moving the story along in their own ways. Yeah. If anything, Javier Bardem would be the closest thing to a protagonist. Which is wild because they
1: immediately establish him as this monster. So it's the only reason you end up rooting for Josh Brolin's character.
0: You do, but none of this would have even started if Josh Brolin hadn't taken the money. So uh, I I don't even know where to go with this one. Yeah, this is tough. And because 20... then obviously it's a cop chasing down the baddie. Right, and and the
1: opening monologue and the closing scene are Tommy Lee Jones. So,
0: I'm going to go with an 8 for protagonist. Yeah. And for some reason I'm going to go with a 9 for antagonist. Okay. Well, here's the thing
1: about the antagonist.
0: Yeah. I mean, one
1: of them is definitely Shager.
0: Without a doubt, one of them is definitely Shiger. And he's
1: phenomenal. And according to a January 2018 article in Business Insider, there was an actual group of psychiatrists that studied 400 movies and identified 126 Psychopathic characters, and they chose this character of Anton Shigar as the Shiger. God damn it! As the most clinically accurate portrayal of a psychopath.
0: Oh, like I said, an eleven. <laughs> Why don't you ever listen movies, to me? Movies, the
1: most accurate portrayal. So yeah, an eleven for the antagonist,
0: <laughs> and we said eight for the protagonist. Yeah, because I I don't know because it's, <laughs> how you know it's, I, I I don't know I don't know who it is, but they did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> They definitely push that story forward. Screenplay. It won best adapted screenplay at the Oscars that year. Yeah. I it's mean, really good.
1: You heard what Rod Shreper had to say about it too. I mean, it's it's airtight. That's a that's a 10, right? That's a 10.
0: That's gotta be a 10.
1: That's a 10. Style and tone. This
0: is one of the best westerns ever made. Which is wild because it's barely a western. It definitely checks the boxes for a western. Yes. But I feel like it's a little strange because it's like a modern Western. It's a neo Western. Yeah. The movie looks
1: fantastic. It's gorgeous. It's so well shot. And everything is.
0: Oh. It's so. Well, the movie just gets smaller and smaller. That's the whole thing. It opens with this giant nothingness that is Texas. Right. A lot of it. There's nothing there. And then the movie just gradually gets tighter and tighter and tighter as it goes along.
1: And you feel it the whole time. The suspense and. Everything just ramps up the entire time. There's few movies where I'm literally on the edge of my seat, and this was definitely
0: one of them. I want to definitely go with a 10 for this movie. And for director, this kind of falls into the magic trick I was talking about a little earlier, where this is a really hard thing to do in filmmaking. And that thing is just take your time. Yeah. Because even the action scenes are not fast. No, not at there all. There is nothing quick about anything that happens in this movie. Everything just plays out in its own pace, so it feels yeah. very natural. It doesn't feel very cinematic.
1: I agree with that. There's no, you know, they never zoom the camera at any point
0: in this movie. They don't. It's just such a natural feel to what you're seeing. What you're seeing is almost in real time. Yeah, and which like is each scene that's going through wild because
1: again, it's only a two hour and two minute movie. It feels so much like you watch this movie, you feel
0: like you lived it. You do. But there is such an urge when you have all these murders happening, these gunfights happening, these chase scenes happening. This movie is a full chase movie, and right. nothing ever speeds up. The you restraint that the Coen brothers put on themselves. You mwah, never get mwah, that, mwah, that Edgar all the right smash kiss. cut montage. Exactly. It is just so well done. It's
1: extremely well done. And it's worth noting that the Coens only shot 250,000 feet of film, whereas a, mo- a normal production is usually between 700,000 and a million.
0: That is just impressive. They knew exactly what they wanted.
1: Yeah, they went in it tightly storyboarded shot what they needed. I think they cut 12 minutes from the edit. 11. 11. These they crushed it.
0: Yeah, that's their this is I think their best directed movie. It's not my favorite yeah. of their movies either, but I think it's their best directed.
1: I think they I mean between directed by, written by, produced by, and edited by the Coen brothers, this movie, I mean, 11. They definitely.
0: had a pretty good year that year for yeah. sure. Music. Carter Burwell. It is Carter Burwell. It's a little bit tricky. It is tricky because uh, there's only
1: 16 minutes of music in this entire movie, and that includes the <laughs> credits. Yep.
0: Which, again, adds that realistic feel to it. Exactly. It, oh. It's a choice. And absolute. The yeah. fact that I can't hum a single note from this is a problem but not but not a like problem at all. because the real world doesn't actually have a
1: soundtrack. And this Crazy, is huh? Very grounded and yeah, uh, I'm going to go 8. I like it. 8 for the music and that's 8 for the intentional lack of music.
0: It's important.
1: Yeah. Next up is box office. This one is completely up to people and their wallets. This movie started off very slow. It had a 25 million dollar budget. Opening weekend it only made 1.2 million.
0: You have to really make your nut in those first 2 weeks now. Yeah. But it's you funny don't get when a long You look stack. back on like these movies and this isn't even that long ago at this point. No. But like movies had the ability to grow. Weird, right? It's,
1: how about that? Like word of mouth could get out and people would go see a movie before it was already on streaming.
0: Or before people were like bashing it, Cocaine Bear, by the way, is digitally streaming. I can't believe that already. Yeah, it took them fourteen days to put it out digitally streaming. That's wild. No Country
1: for Old Men, its opening week finished fifteenth at the box office.
0: That is ridiculous.
1: Fifteenth B Movie was number one that week. By the way, well, have you ever seen B Movie? <laughs>
0: no. Sorry, hold on, hold on. What's the deal with B Movie? What's the deal with all this honey? Somebody say honey. <laughs> Can I lick it off you, Mr. Seinfeld?
1: Uh, I mean, No Country for Old Men really didn't have a chance because it opened the same weekend as Fred Claus. And I mean, come on, Fred yeah. Claus.
0: I mean, some movies swings for the fence and some movies are No Country for Old Men. Vince
1: Vaughn as Santa Claus's brother <laughs> cleaned up with a $23.8 million that opening week. gross. And No Country for Old Men finished the week with $1.8 million. But it did go on To gross a full one hundred and seventy one point six million dollars, which is a six hundred and eighty six and a half percent return, which is an obvious 10. That is
0: huge.
1: Massive, especially with such a lackluster opening week.
0: Wow. And that leads us to the final category, Impact on the Industry. I'm having a little trouble with this one because this movie gets pointed to a lot. As people saying, like, this is the last great Best Picture winner. When people, like, go back. Because that's a whole thing that's going on right now. Yeah. With, like, everything, everywhere, all at once winning. And you have certain people, close-minded people, mostly. Texans. Who, no, no, hey, hold on. Hold on, (laughs) hold on, hold on. on. (laughs) Uh, Who are saying, like, oh, no one's going to remember this movie. And I actually agree with a lot of the Best Picture winners from the past few years that some movies aren't going to stand the test of time. Yeah. But that has always kind of been the case.
1: That's a pretty regular thing with the Academy Awards.
0: But the thing is that we live in a time where people need this instant gratification and something yeah. needs to be the greatest or the worst. There's no in-between for right. the most part. Like, no one at this point is talking about Green Book. No one's talking about The Shape of Water. No one's talking about Moonlight, which is a big fucking mistake because that's a great movie. I have to not see it still. But this one gets pointed to as this is the last great Best Picture winner. Yeah. A lot of the time, too, which is crazy because it's 2007.
1: Right. And it's worth noting that the Coen brothers were nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Editing, and Best Adapted Screenplay. They were the nominee for all four categories. And they won three of them. They got Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. And then, of course, Javier Bardem also won Best Supporting Actor. So it came away with four Oscars out of the nominated eight it had.
0: That's pretty damn good. It says a lot about the Coen brothers. It does. Whatever they touch usually turns to gold. In a lot of cases, yes. I want to go with a nine. Okay. Or an eight. That's kind of where I'm fighting with right yeah. now between those two. Because like, I'm looking at the Best Picture winners now since No Country for Old Men. And that year it beat out Atonement, which is a great movie. Yep. It beat out Juno, which was a critical darling. It beat out Michael Clayton, which is a great movie. And it beat out There Will Be Blood, which I thought should have won that year. Those are all big names. After that, you get Slumdog Millionaire, which is high on the list for most Oscars won. Mm -hmm. Then you have The Hurt Locker. Then you have The King's Speech, The Artist, Argo, 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, Spotlight, Moonlight, The Shape of Water, Green Book, Parasite, Nomadland, and Coda. And now everything everywhere all at once. Well, when you put it that way, yeah. I kind of want to go eight. I think eight is appropriate,
1: but there's there's a lot of stuff in there that, that has not stood up.
0: No, there's a lot that has not stood but up. But this definitely has. Without a doubt, this one has. And There Will Be Blood, I still think, is the masterpiece from that year. We'll get there one day. I'm I promise. sure we will. It's, it's That movie blows me away every single time. That's going to give No Country
1: for Old Men a total score of a 95. That is
0: dangerously close. Uh-oh. Are we drinking? We are not drinking because (sighs) Rotten Tomatoes has this at a 93%. Wow. And the audience score is 86%. Just missed it again. Just missed it again. We like it more than uh, the critics by two points. By two points. That's fine. Audience, thank you so much for this pick. This was a good one.
1: This is an excellent pick. Thank you, Michael Adam and everybody who submitted your movies.
0: That list is so full. If you yes. want to change your pick that you've put on that list, write in. We'll change it. It's fine. I know a lot of people have already written in since last week to, telling me to change their picks, and I have. Yeah. We have to do whatever comes up, no matter what it is. We have no choice, so, you know. It's the law.
1: Get wacky with it.
0: Yes, please.
1: <laughs> as long as we can stream it somewhere, and no porn. Those are the two rules.
0: We should do, like, a porn month.
1: <sighs> do- do you really want to do that? I don't think I, I want to do I that. I don't. I feel like I'm opening a dirty door. and You did just open a dirty door. You know, it feels like a Patreon door, if any kind of door. <laughs> Reviewing porn movies. <laughs> uh, Stay
0: tuned.
1: <laughs> yeah, keep that with a question mark. I like that. But that brings us to uh, the, the portion of the show that we talk about at the, at the top.
0: Uh, I think, Dave, it's time for you to beer me a movie. I'm so happy it's my turn again. And we're going to do things... I don't want to say differently for next week, but definitely going in the way back machine this time. I'm starting to flirt with my area of movies that I love, which is old Hollywood. Yeah. But the movie we're going to talk about doesn't go as far back as it needs to go, but it is looked at as one of the greatest films ever made. That's promising. To the point that it even got brought up again this past year with Babylon, which kind of Circled what this movie that I'm gonna pick is all about. We will have a guest next week who's never seen this movie either, but we are talking about one of my favorite movies of all time, 1952's doo do 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 Singin in the Rain. Oh wow. Finally. I've been talking about this for like three years of Brian, and it is At about least. time. I gotta talk to Brian about other things now.
1: Wow, this has been a long time coming. Have you ever seen Singin in the
0: Rain? I have never seen Singing in the Rain. I'm very excited. It is a fucking masterpiece. One of the great movie musicals ever made. Got a soft spot for those musicals. I do too, man. I'm so excited.
1: Next week, Singing in the Rain! Until then, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on any platform you listen to us on. Send us your movie suggestions for next month's listener pick. And our patrons always get double picks, whether that's doubling down on one you like and increasing your odds or picking two different movies, but you can join us on Patreon this month for our crappy hour with, uh, right now, I believe it's Patreon exclusive guest, Dave Novak.
0: At this point, it's starting to turn into Patreon exclusive
1: guest. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about, I think the title of the movie is master of disguise. You cowards.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. The uh, master
1: of disguise. Starting you cowards.
0: Pistachio disguise.
1: Yeah. That's, um, that's a fun episode. So <laughs> it's definitely a very fun episode. <laughs> definitely pop over to Patreon for that one. Uh, email us your movie picks, questions, and comments to BearMeAmoviePod at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at BearMeAmoviePod on Twitter and at BearMeAmovie everywhere else, like Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, that's usually where we would put up that post asking for your questions and comments.
0: <laughs> but sometimes people forget, like me. So, uh, from probably someone who would have asked this on Facebook, Mary fuck kill with. Ed Tom Bell, Anton Shager and Llewellyn Moss, but but I also want to throw in the, the, the cuck. Oh, okay. Carson Wells, Woody Allison. <laughs> so marry, fuck, kill, cuck. Okay, all right. So um, someone's got to watch you either kill or fuck. I don't know how this works anymore. Interesting. Okay. And we're... I guess be a witness to watch you get married, too, I guess? right they're just gonna and also cuck. a witness to the murder too they're, they're right? gonna be there for <laughs> exactly. all three they're
1: your accomplice in all three <laughs> well in that case i definitely want woody harrelson in that role so just carson well judging cuck. i love it <laughs> ed tom bell i'm marrying tommy lee jones obviously and uh, i think i have to kill anton chaguerre just to be just just to say that i was the one who did it
0: that's what you want <laughs> it's a lot like a ron swanson like oh there's a all oh, my gold a map in my pocket and whoever kills me gets it. And at the end of the
1: day, if that means I have to fuck Josh Brolin, oh no. Oh
0: yeah, let's pretend like you're the one doing the fucking there. That's fine. (laughs)
1: Uh, No, I'm gonna be like Ant-Man and crawl right up Thanos' ass. (laughs) What? This took Um, a turn.
0: Person on Facebook who definitely didn't ask that but probably would have. (laughs) Thank you for your question. Brian, you got anything else? No, that is it for me. Fantastic. Next week... We're talking singing in the rain. We'll see you then. If Brian does not like singing in the rain, then I will force Chucky him to death and tap dance on his grave. See you next week.